Welcome, I'm Peter Curran, sat here with Jonathan Green in London's historic Clerkenwell. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be wandering through the lexicographical undergrowth to try and find some low-hanging and probably very ripe fruit. And it goes without saying that some of that fruit might include language of the most strong sort. Uh, If you're easily offended, in all seriousness, it's probably best that you stop listening now. Well, thank God they have gone. Jonathan, hello. I am here, yes, still immersed in slang. Very Um, little changes. So uh, this week we're going to be looking at uh, that rich font of slang, the Yiddish language. What could you possibly know about the Yiddish language? Well, my father used to speak it occasionally, although not as much as I wish he had. I used to have a friend who's, who was still fluent in it. I've never been remotely fluent in it. It is, of course, the, the, the Jewish slang. And it's one of the things that, linguistically, apart from anything creative, non-creative, whatever it might be, that the Jews have given to, have given to my neck of the woods, which is slang. It was spoken, I, I should explain it. I mean, it's, the word Yiddish comes from Yiddish Deutsch, which is translated quite simply as Jewish German. And it's the dialect spoken by the Jews who lived in Germany for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were known as the Ashkenazi Jews, which Ashkenaz being Hebrew for German. And there's a whole other lot who were the Sephardis, which is Hebrew for Spanish, which is the ones who are in Spain, North Africa, but we don't go into those, although they do have a Yiddish of their own, which is called Ladino, about which I know even less. Um, the best book, if you want to read up in Yiddish, you, you, I, I can't offer quite as much, to put it mildly. There's a wonderful book. You haven't offered book. anything, yeah? No, 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 absolutely not. And there's a wonderful <laughs> man called Michael Wex, who wrote a book. His history of Yiddish is called Born to Kvetch. And Kvetch like so many other Yiddish words, it's kind of onomatopoeic, echoic, and means to nag. As somebody said, the great thing is that, that his quote, I have to quote, Adam gave names to all created things, his Yiddish-speaking descendants simply critique. And it's kind of right. I mean, it's just, you know, the, it's, Yiddish is about putting down, is about moaning, is about groaning, is about cursing. We'll get on to the curses. It's also about words that both mean penis and fool. Now, those are such things as, I mean, in, in standard English, you've got prick, means penis, means fool. Dork, same thing. There's about 30, 40 of them. What we, I join my co-religionists, albeit rather as a distance, schmuck is one of them. Putz, schmeckel, jutz. Don't you love those words? Don't Wonderful. They a, a lovely... Estash. It's the, the, the shish and then and the, and a nice vowel at the end of it. And there's, I mean, you know, the whole, the whole thing about the Inuit, the, the, you know, unpolitically correctly, the Eskimos having loads of words for... Um, for, for snow. Snow, for yeah. snow. This apparently is a canard. This is not true. On the other hand, Yiddish has fools, and you have, again, you're back with the SHs, or possibly the SCHs. Schlub, schlump, schmo, schlemiel, schlemazel, <laughs> schmendrick. And there is all, I mean, this is a world, remember, in which my parents, my parents' favourite affectionate epithet for me was Mumza. What does Mumza mean? It means bastard. Does it? Yes. I never sort of turned to my mother and said, are you trying to tell me something of which I'm not wholly aware? But um, this was it, you little Mumza, darling. What I really like about it, though, and again, a lot of this, I have to be honest, I have to tip the hat again to Michael Wex, Catholicism. I believe, is, is, in, is into the Virgin Mary. So when you go to Spain and Italy, you get a lot of curses which are about 
Well, basically, they're, they're being nasty to the poor virgin, as far as I can see. But Yiddish does not have a Virgin Mary. What Yiddish has is your stomach. So basically, when you curse somebody, you're not going to go on about some supposed mother of Christ or whatever, or the mother of the Messiah. Remember, the mother, mother has not turned up yet. Um, at least not the mother of the Messiah has not turned up. But in Yiddish, your stomach is there. It's always there. It's usually in a bad way. Um, you know, and Under, so, undernourished, perhaps? Un, no, 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 not so much undernourished, but, but sort of not underperforming. And um, therefore, so you say to each other such simple, you say things like, this is where my accent completely fails, but which means, according to Mr. Wes, may your penis lie in a grave, may a hole in a hernia lie in your guts. It's just not very friendly. <laughs> it's certainly not, I hope it clears up soon. <laughs> I think the answer to that would be, you should be so lucky. So, I mean, is there uh, an area apart from uh, the penis and, and the stomach then that uh, Yiddish particularly excels at? It sounds like one of those languages that, um, just for the sheer enjoyment of it, of it rather than the practicality, people have come up with words. I think, it, I think you do get a situation in America where there's what's called New York Yiddish, where there's certain things, which again, very dependent on the SCH and such beginning and so on and so forth, in which they've been, well, I mean, is it, you know, who coins slang, who coins languages? It wasn't language that was ever spoken by Jews in the old country, be that Germany, be it Lithuania, be it, be it Poland, whatever. And a small sidebar here is that, is that um, there's Polish Yiddish, Polacks, and Lit Lithuanian Yiddish, Litvaks, and to go back to my parents, one was a Polak, my father, one was a Litvak, my mother, and occasionally they would argue over pronunciations. God, it, was, it made me the lexicographer I am, <laughs> or possibly not. But there, there's, I mean, it comes into it, you know, as soon as Jews will arrive, you will get Yiddish. And so in Henry Mayhew, when he talks about London labour and the London poor, which is, which is from his investigations, his sort of early sociological investigations around 1840, 1850, I mean, he talks about the Jew fencers, the receivers of stolen goods. He talks about the presence of Hebrew, by which he means Yiddish, and various words that he, he brings out, like outembola, which may or may not come from um, a Yiddish word, but may, on the other hand, come from the word altar. But, it, but what it means, outem kakla, it's a priest. Basically, sits at the altar and cackles. And there's more, more, more common as word like smoose. Which, which was big in South Africa and meant a Jewish peddler, of whom, of course, there were lots. But it spread all over. I mean, Australia likes it. I mean, and Australia takes, I mean, I don't want to go into stereotypes here, far be it from me, but Australia, of course, takes shika and shikara and shik, i.e. shika meaning drunk, shikara meaning heavy drinker, and shik means give us a shik, mate, give us a drink. So, and there's various things in Australia, which, 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 which for reasons I don't, well, I mean, there wasn't a particularly huge intake of Jews. What I mean, about the um, uh, Yiddish, given that, um, you know, there's that ideal of uh, being a hard-working boy? What about those 
hard-working boys that were in... That's a schmendrick again. A fool. A That's a fool. <laughs> a locking oh, cop for holding his head. I don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> But, you know, in London... Um, then the you're a shiverbocher, which is Hebrew and means your, your head basically means you're, you're a swat. You're, you're the, the shiver is the Hebrew school and you're, you're just in there all the time and your head is bent over, bent over your, um, you know, your Talmudic scrolls and so on. Yiddish... Ah, oh, but so is it a, a kind of... A, I'm being unfair. But well, there's a counterculture going on, obviously, and so it's a myth that the hard-working Jewish boy is to be celebrated as he addresses his books. He's, he's to have the piss taken out of him by the Santa I'm, sh- I'm sure he had the piss taken out of him. I mean... Oh. Yeah. Even he- by his parents? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But enough of your personal life. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You've had more than enough of my personal life. I mean, I, mean, I, want, I, want, I was going to ask you about a little bit about because I know it's a particular interest of yours, um, crime and Yiddish crime. And there was in the sort of forties and fifties, and indeed in the thirties in London, there were lots of Jewish gangsters. People often ascribe it to uh, the you know the Italian community. Um, which is uh, from uh, this Clark and Well in which we even uh, now uh, sit. Absolutely, but you know, uh, Jewish gangsters played their part as well. I wonder, is does Yiddish stray into crime? I'm just suddenly trying to think of, of do we get the Cray brothers having a little natter in Yiddish together? Because there's a big Jewish strain there. To which the answer is that not as recorded. Right. <laughs> I think I think it would come in. But you know, one of the things about immigrants is that, of course, they they always want to move away. They want, you know, there isn't a particular, I think, I think I look at my own parents who I, I never knew, I didn't know, you know, what I'm called green. I don't know what it was before, but it wasn't called green. That's for sure. It might mm. have been Groon or Groonstead. I, I haven't a clue. Or would there have been a and, bomb in the end, perhaps? Maybe a bomb, well, something like that, or mm. a Berg or a Stein or something of that nature. But I didn't get that. And I think when I talk about my father you, using Yiddish, uh, but in diminishing quantities, was probably that same impetus. You didn't really want it, you know. You move, you move. Dare I say, up, out, around, and whatever. you were, and then to assimilating a bit as well. It also, yes, and, yeah. and, and, and and indeed, and, and, and it, so something like that fades. Tell if, me about it. I'm trying, talking... to cr- I'm trying to crawl back to diddly d status that I had <laughs> when I landed off the boat from Ireland all those years ago. Masquerading as someone who can put two words together for thirty years, and now I want to go back to the uh, spade wielding idiot of yesteryear. <laughs> but the, the, I mean, I'm not sure to what extent. I mean, I'm just, I'm just. I mean, one of the earliest words that we do get is a criminal word in England. Francis Gross, who was in no way Jewish and in no way himself spoke spoke Yiddish, but he has schmiergeld, which means a bribe. Which and he and has gelt is money, isn't it? Gelt, of course, is money, mm. meaning gold. And what else did he have? But that that um, I mean, swindler allegedly comes comes originally from from Hebrew Yiddish schwindel, and and schwindel to be giddy, to act thoughtlessly, to be to be careless. Um, the person, of course, who's acting thoughtlessly and being giddy is the sucker who's being swindled, rather than the swindler. But language, particularly slang, does not have normal rules. I mean, the the but America. I mean. Yes, there is Yiddish in London. There was Yiddish in London. Of course there was. There was community. And I would assume that there's probably similar languages spoken in Brick Lane now by the people who live there that will gradually fade away as they in turn assimilate. And there always has been. But in America, where all the identity politics comes from, all the heavy identity identification um, exists, and you know the idea of this, this huge 
Jewish community in New York, Jew, New York being a Jewish town. Of course, Yiddish has continued much more. Well, um, I was going. Do you yeah. think like part of it because it always sounds better um, uh, Yiddish uh, with an American accent? And I just wondered about the kind of sharpness. People had to have sharp elbows, and they were quite public about it. There was none of this reserve about dealing with people from different ethnic backgrounds that they had in this country for for many years. America was just kind of, you know. Get I think out, that's get rather out of the sweet. way, I'm, I'm next. I think that's rather a sweet attitude. I don't think, if you go back to the 1880s and 1890s when the Jewish immigrant wave, as it were, turned up in London because of various pogroms in Russia and massacres and God knows what else, um, people were not terribly welcoming. No. I mean, no Daily Mail headline about Syria today isn't reproduced about the Jews in 1890. Sure. I mean, or even if not by the Daily Mail, because it might not have existed. But um, no, that. But immigrants. No, I was thinking more of the 20th century. Immigrants generally yeah. have yeah. to have sharp elbows. Yeah. And the difference, I think, of what I was trying to say about the identity politics is that is that here, the the, the movement is, is to assimilate there its identity to is, is to maintain your your identity. Grotesque generalisation, which I would not stand up in court, but it has last and also because. Of Again, or that that of course that you know the, the great movement of Jews out of New York is to Hollywood or, or of some of them, Yiddish goes with them, and and you get these people like Woody Allen who start off as comedians in New York, move across the country, you get people like Mel Brooks, ditto, and 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 they they take this this language with them. What, I mean, what it's hard it? to specify the words because they're just the words that they use. But I mean, if you look at, well, we'll get round to Lenny Bruce as one of my heroes. We have to go there right now. Right now? <laughs> yeah, go on. Go okay, we'll yeah. go there. Okay, so Lenny Bruce. I have no heroes. My only hero is, is Lenny Bruce. Um, did the useful thing of being a hero is dead. I mean, maybe John Lennon, but, but you know, also dead. But Bruce... Is originally Lenny Alf- Leonard Alfred Schneider, born in the twenties, becomes you know a, a comedian, starts off in New York, trying to be a nice Jewish boy. Um, well, gets thrown out of the U.S. Navy for dressing in drag, but we don't hold anything against him for that. It was a deliberate pose, um, and he basically becomes this revolutionary, foul-mouthed comedian who appealed in the 50s and 60s to the hippest of the hip, which basically meant show business Jews, jazz playing blacks, intellectuals of all, of all complexions, beatniks, so on and so forth. And his shtick, in other words, his Yiddish word for onstage um, style, um, very much incorporated the language of all of these, be it the, the, the heroin, heroined up jazz player, be it the Yiddish filled um, you know, minor comedian who was trying to get a gig at the Palladium and his, his agents telling him, no, that's one thing you really want to do. He goes there, it all works. It fails. But he brings a lot of words to the party, such as my beloved Mumza, but also Schnorrer, it's a beggar, Starker, tough guy, Stup, which means to have sex, Schickser, what all Jewish boys want, the, the blonde, blue-eyed Schickser. In other words, not the nice Jewish girl. Oh, I've just, I've just realised, as you said, is Stoop is Stoop, the one, is one which for Which you'll notice I badrised. Uh, no, Lily Von Stoop from Blazing Saddles, mm. the woman who comes on and entertains all the mm. uh, the saloon bar regulars there with we her are. Teutonic there we twatting. Are. I think that as proves, I think it's my, proves my point. Proves my point, if I may say so. Um, fresh to eat, also to eat in a more interesting manner. Um, Bobba Meiser, 
grandmother stories, old, old you know, bullshit, basically. And, of course, the usual schlep, schlub, schmear, schmuck, schnook, and so on. I mean, Bruce brought all this in. Bruce ended up with the um, news cameras allowed in to take pictures of him having overdosed sitting naked on the lavatory, which was the sort of establishment's revenge. And the last 10 years of his life were... I mean, it would be impossible now, but what the last 10 years of his life were, were basically court cases. And, and the sadness is that he became more obsessed by the court cases and, dare I say, less amusing. But if you listen to his stuff in, in his prime, he, he, he's one of those, for me, it was somebody I encountered at the age of 14 or 15 and was life-changing. Or, yes, I mean, not that I immediately rushed out there and bought my works and, you know, a wrap of heroin and so on and so forth. But it changed, it just... You know, when you're a nice boy at a Midlands, not very great public school, Yulram, boarding school, whatever, you, it, it's Lenny Bruce's eye-opening in 1963. He lit your fuse. Uh, Jonathan, um, we're going to uh, wrap it up um, for this week. Um, thank you very much indeed for listening. And don't forget to visit uh, Jonathan's new website, um, which is the home of Green's Dictionary of Slang. And is Matt, the producer, here? Have you rather preemptively changed the, the name of it? No, it's MrSlang.com, is it? Not wrong? the website, no. no. The website's still uh, GreensDictOfSlang.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's Dict without a K, boys. But with a T. Um, that's GreensDictOfSlang.com, where you can find loads more definitions, derivation, citation, and as much lexicographical information as you would care for. Uh, bless your heart, Jonathan, and you can follow him on Twitter at MrSlang. Please let us know what you thought of this actually don't bother letting us know what you thought of the show forget it nobody cares what you think see you next week